Hey there, it's Pastor Evan here. Welcome to Unpacked. This is a new series, Unpacking Life as a Messy Human. We're exploring the soul and the strength that comes from the journey of trying to live life authentically. We hope you find it helpful and that you can see yourself in the conversations, the stories, and the interviews. Have a listen and subscribe. This week on Unpacked, we're chatting with Rob Peterson, Associate Superintendent of the Evangelical Covenant Church of Canada and Director of Spiritual Direction at North Park Seminary. I'm very proud to call Rob my mentor and my friend. Rob and I jump into discussions on leadership, church planting, and working together. In this two-part podcast, we tell some stories of what it meant to work together, some of the insecurities we've experienced over the years and loneliness as leaders, and the greatest gift of getting to hang out with God's people. I hope you enjoy. Well, yeah, this is going to be fun, I hope. I, uh, <laughs> oh, it'll be fun. We'll have a good time. Any, um, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law, though, so be careful. <laughs> okay. Um, how's Everybody else, he's so gentle. He's like, terrible edit. Oh, no worries. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got some sneaky ones in here. What's funny was I sent I sent Tara the questions I to email you yesterday, and they didn't look exactly the same as the ones I sent to her, the ones you got. So I'm still fully intending to put mine in there. So. <laughs> Yours were just summarized. That's all. Yep. I thought you would let you ask them in your way. Anyways, the the theme that we wanted to do with you, and I, I Tara has been pushing to get you on here because because uh, I think she wants to find out what um, pastoral skills are, and metaphors are of my own and which ones I've stolen from you over the years. Yes, of course. <laughs> the truth so, will come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it will. And I think it'll be really interesting to see which ones he uses on me that are yours and his. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. definitely i i usually give credit to the source I, I do usually do that but um anyways so i think it'll be fun and and i'm i'm looking forward to talking a little bit about leadership and some of the things that you've learned and so can you tell us what you're doing because not even i know what your job title is anymore so um i have two half-time positions so i have, I have two jobs that means i have two bosses um, so my, my, my one role is I am the associate superintendent of the Canada Covenant. And I, I work uh, with the team uh, that oversees this great family of churches in Canada. Uh, and my primary role is direct pastor support um, and care. And that looks like everything from coaching to mentoring, um, some spiritual direction for some, uh, and just being present to to pastors, letting them know I'm here if they they want to talk to somebody. So that that's that. I also work on some other projects. I'm working on a project around developing uh, yearly review tools for churches when they when they want to pause and say, okay, what what is God doing? I'm just putting together sort of a discernment guide for for that for a church. I I lead the anti-racism cohorts. Uh, for our conference as we lean into what does it mean to take 
Jesus seriously that we exist for people other than ourselves and how we watch over our tongues and our, our perspectives. So I do that and a number of other things. Then my other job, and both of these are virtual by the way, because of the pandemic. Oh, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, that's where I do all my work from right now. I work at, I'm at North Park Theological Seminary in Chicago. So I am the executive director of the John Weborg Center for Spiritual Direction. John Weborg was a founding um, professor of theology in our denomination, and he introduced the seminary to spiritual direction, and they started training directors 16 years ago. So I, I am the executive director of that program, though that means I oversee five, five classes that um, somebody takes if they want to become as a uh, qualified spiritual director. So I, I do that a um, number of different ways. So that's, those are my two jobs. I, and then I also wow. teach at the seminary a class on spiritual formation for pastors. So. Huh. Oh, that's awesome. I, I remember I got to, I got to sit in on a class with John. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a some kind of a pilot project. I, you were we were still working together. Remember, I went to Chicago and I would take one teenager with me, and we'd have these like classes in the morning and experiences in the afternoon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I yeah. did it a couple of years in a row. And one of the morning classes was was with John, and he took us to a retreat center somewhere, and walked us through all the stations of the cross. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. He, and my yeah. John Weborg was like, he, he's like, he's like a Yoda kind of guy, you know, he's just, <laughs> just so quiet, but so wise, so gentle. And, but, but like a, just a, a smart guy, like theology and, and history of certain parts of the, of, of church. And I, I resonated with him. He is, he's very humble. Um, so uh, Tara's laughing because she knows I've called you this before. Does he ever wave his hand in front of you and say, you're not feeling like that? <laughs> yeah. Rob, it'll all be fine. It'll just yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that's happened. Uh, you've, you've played that trick on me a few times. So anyway, <laughs> I keep doing it to everybody else. And they're like, why do you keep putting your hand in front of my face? Stop doing that. Like just don't have the skills yet. I don't know what it is, but. So a um, couple of interesting things you just said. So first of all, I didn't know you were doing the anti-racism thing for the Canada conference. And I love that. That's interesting. We have 14 covenant pastors. There's two cohorts um, and we meet at different times. We meet once a month and we're working our way through a, a reading list and a watch list around the topic of anti-racism in the Canadian context. So it, it is necessarily unsettling. Um, because the, the narrative and the story of people of color is important for us to learn as, as white people. That, that, that's sort of like step one is you, if you, if you want to deal with your stuff in your own perspectives, you, you need to learn the story, the real story of people of color. And in Canada, that's in particular our First Nations friends. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we've been reading... Uh, residential school story, which is so tragic um, and, and actually evil, mm -hmm. what, what transpired. Uh, Doctrine of Discovery, we, we unpack that. That, that's, that, 
you know, the doctrine of, of the Pope back in the 1400s that sort of endorsed colonialism from a Christian perspective. And that underlies so much that's gone wrong um, in, in various countries as predominantly white people came in and say, hey, look what we found. Um, we discovered a new land. Well, that, that's not the true story. <laughs> the land was already inhabited by these beautiful people. But so we're learning lots. It is unsettling to deal with white supremacy because you realize at least I do. I'm a contributor to it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's good. It's important work. Well, I guess I should read those emails you guys send out from the covenant, see what's actually going on. <laughs> well, it, uh, we, we're going to do the cohort every year. So uh, the, the, we will wrap up in May and then we'll do a new cohort. The goal is every covenant pastor in Canada will, will go through the material in the next uh, two to three years. Uh, so as we build a foundation of truth telling and, and of justice. So awesome. So a uh, question for you right off the bat. Let's just let's jump into some of the questions we've got and and uh, see what you say. So um, we were trying, and I know actually how many years were you a pastor? Just goofing around. How, <laughs> once Tara, I got a phone call from him and he says, name this sound. You do these weird things. <laughs> so there was a there was a show. There was a show on television of uh, <laughs> name that sound. So I would randomly call Evan once in a while. I'd put my phone next to a sound. I said, "Okay, ten seconds. What's the sound?" And he would just laugh. He said, "I don't have a clue. No, no, no. What's the sound?" I think one time I put it next to like boiling potatoes yes yes you did <laughs> what's the sound i don't know oh come on uh, you never guess it is the most <laughs> random thing yeah. okay sorry what was the question uh so no before i ask this question i have to tell another funny story so rob has some hearing loss and uh so at one point he finally we have first of all two things happened <laughs> first thing we have a meeting with the parent <laughs> And he is, we have this conversation with this lady and he is surprisingly quiet in this conversation, says nothing. <laughs> she leaves and I'm like, hey, are you okay? We just had this hour long conversation with this parent and you said nothing. And he goes, honestly, Evan, I didn't hear a word she said. I have no idea what she did. Say. Oh, <laughs> oh Tara, this could be a long Yes, this could be a long. <laughs> I'm going to stop because I actually have another really funny story, but I'm not going to talk, talk about it. Um, well, maybe I'll put it in my rapid fire questions for the end. Okay. Okay. All right. So tell us, tell us a little bit like this. What, what would you say has been probably the greatest gift uh, of being a pastoral leader all these years? And actually, how long have you been one? So I... I um... I first felt the nudge to be a pastor, to serve God's people uh, at the end of <clears throat> universities. I was at Simon Fraser University in Vancouver. I was finishing up. I was heading to counseling uh, to be a therapist, um, my altar location. And I felt nudged to serve God's people. And um, out of the encouragement of my family, in particular, my grandmother, 
Um, and, and, a, and a colleague of mine, Wally Carlson, Wally Coot, sorry, uh, felt the call. So I, I've been a pastor for 30 years. Um, and that's a good length of time to discover all of the beautiful gifts and some of the hardships of being, being a pastor. I would say mostly, though, I would, um, it's just been delightful. Uh, really, really a great gift. What is the biggest gift? Um, I would describe it as being welcomed into the holy moments of a family's experience. There aren't too many vocations that I'm aware of where you are given permission and actually invited into the into things that families deal with that nobody ever knows. And it's holy, whether it's at, at the point of <clears throat> being, being the pastor who shows up um, when, when, a, when a mother is suddenly killed and you, you walk into that house and there is chaos and hurt, but it's a holy thing to say, I, let us pause and lean into how God might be present. Let us pause and acknowledge our anger at God. Let's be aware that somehow in the mystery of all of this pain, there's something going on that God is aware of. So I, I would say that, or, or the joyful moments of being with families as they celebrate milestones for their kids or their special need child, you know, going, being invited to go to a, to a school event for their special need child and, and, and just, just the delight of being called pastor. And so I, I'd say that those are some of the, my favorite memories, best gifts are being present at those beautiful, beautiful moments and those really, really hard moments. Mm -hmm. so. Doing life with people. It is. It, it is really a vocation of hanging out uh, with, with God's people in all, in all of the different ways that, that our stories unfold. Mm -hmm. You didn't say that you've gotten to work with some of the most amazing people ever. But, second but I, I realize that's the secondary thing. It's <laughs> yep. So you... I've planted a church. So tell us a little bit about church planting. So what leads you into like even considering planting a church? You, you've been doing, you've been at that time, what you were in Saskatoon for five years? For seven years. For seven. Oh, so it was a seven year itch then that was happening and you just Maybe, didn't. Something like that. <laughs> um, I was quite happy and content in at College Park Covenant Church, but when uh, Jeff Anderson um, called me one day and said, we're praying about a new church in Strathmore, Covenant Bible College is moving there. We think you, you might be a good, a good fit for the church plant. Would you be willing to go through the Covenant's assessment center and see, see what happens? I mean, that, that sort of set me back. I, I wasn't it was not on my radar screen to be a church planter, nor did I think it was necessarily in my, my wheelhouse. But 
I prayed about it. My wife and I talked about it and we decided to say yes to the assessment and the rest is history. We, we moved from Saskatoon and arrived in Strathmore, Alberta in the summer of 1996 to, uh, to help start a congregation uh, in Strathmore that would be a grace-based place. Uh, not that the other churches weren't about grace, but we just said there's something about being a covenant church that might be a good thing in Strathmore. And so I, I had no clue what I was doing. Even though I had been to some training, it was like not enough training. So the first, the first year and a half was an adventure in profound radical trust in Christ. I, I really didn't know what I was doing. You tell, you know, pastors, we get used to doing certain things, which is preaching and visiting people. Well, take away the church and then say, now go, go be a pastor in this community. And those actually, though it was hard, it was, it was really good. I, mm -hmm. I just intuitively said, I, I've got to get to know people. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I spent you know this, Evan. I, I I spent a good year, a good year, just hanging out with people in Strathmore. I, and I would take anybody that would go with me for lunch or coffee. Yeah. The mayor. Interesting story. That that original lunch with Keith turned into an amazing God story. And I I by just sheer grace got the front row seat on the transformation of a family really mm -hmm. and it all started with the lunch with keith saying hey tell me about strathmore what what does it need what what do you like about it and he well if you know keith he loved to talk so he i mean he just would talk 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 then i'd call him up again hey let's go for coffee and it started a friendship and so that happened so many different times because i i got to walk with him at the end of his life i know yeah. And I, I would have to say that it probably has turned into one of the most profound ministry experiences I, I ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I am, a, I am so grateful for my relationship with him, but, but now his, one of his daughters attends Lake Ridge yeah. and uh, I get to pastor now his grandchildren. Yeah. One of the other things I did is I, how do I get involved? How could I serve? So I joined the Parent Teacher Association and Brentwood Elementary School. I, I just signed up. I said, I'll, I'll be on this committee. And I went, I started going, I ended up being the chairperson. Like, how He's the that? chair of the PTA. <laughs> and uh, and what, what happened was this, this sort of, I, I noticed when I first started, uh, there's there's others who might listen to this podcast who might have a different perspective on this, but I, I, I noticed there's just kind of some tension between parents and teachers and um, just that kind of happens, you know? So just a bit. Well, I thought, well, I, I, I kind of mean, you know, I, I hear you, but what, what if we just love on teachers? What if we just kind of, maybe what they really need is not our advice. Maybe what they need is our love. I, I, I mean, I, I thought that, I didn't say that publicly, but I slowly had some influence where we just started loving on teachers, giving them gifts, bringing, bringing in resources. That's when we brought in coffee. Uh, Evan, we, Evan and I, I don't know if you know this listening audience, we made a mobile cappuccino machine and we would go into the schools 
we didn't have a clue how to do this, but it turned into something. I, t- teachers would say like, what are you here for? Oh, we're just free coffee. We just like coffee. We like you guys. Yeah. Free coffee. We did that. I don't know how long we did that. That was a while. It was how I learned how to lie to people's face because it'd be like, I know, I know how to make coffee. I, know, it's like, I, don't I had even, no idea what I was doing. I don't even drink coffee. But, there wasn't Google back then to, to learn how on the Google. You had to like, just no, figure I, that out. So doing, I, so those were the fun, those are the fun years before we actually started public, public services. And then, you know, you meet a young a young guy called Evan. I remember a, a lunch going to lunch in uh, Smitty's in Calgary. Um, it was sort of a, a casual interview. We were looking for a part time youth pastor, and uh, you were at Rocky Mountain. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. and uh, that started. That was the beginning of the end. No, <laughs> that, was the that was the beginning of a wonderful relationship between Evan and I and our families and at Hope Community and yeah. So uh, would you say, so I, I have a guess of what you might say, but we'll see. What was the craziest thing, story that happened in your church planting life? The kind that you, you look back and it, you still smile or laugh about it when you think about it. There's actually several, and they all involve you. <laughs> now, well, there's, there's there's some crazy things. I do remember my neighbor kid who we're reaching out to. He went on the whitewater rafting trip. And the infamous trip. <laughs> the infamous trip. And I encouraged him to go. It's going to be fun. He was really excited. He, he went. This is the trip where one of the rafts flips open, over and and like literally kids almost died i mean it's it, we you can laugh now but it was not funny oh it was not funny, it was not funny. <laughs> and i went i didn't know any of this until evan shows up in the parking lot with the kids afterwards says rob i think we're going to have to talk about some things this week and then i think his name was matthew matthew comes up to me totally stone faced rob i almost died and i'm thinking he's kidding I said, oh, really? Tell me. He said, no, Rob, I almost died. Our raft turned over and I was under the water. And I said, oh, I, I re- oh, this is serious. So I said, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Let's go home. And I got him in the car and we drove him home. But then I heard the story. So that was a crazy story. Anyway, there's some great stories. Mm-hmm. There was some, there was some good ones. I thought for sure you were going to tell the one because every church planner that met in the school has, has a fire alarm story. <laughs> oh, no, that happened, that happened twice. And my son was one of them. So I, I'm preaching on a Sunday morning. We're at uh, the Crayola school, Wheatland elementary, and we're in the gym. And you know, when you look up, they have that, that way up there, those like five or six bleachers. And that's where the kids, the moms with little kids who had to run around, they would go up there. And there's a number of people at this time. I don't know. The gym is pretty full. Um, And I look up and I see my son, Andrew, little Andrew, walking toward the wall. And he lifts up and I think, don't pull it. And he pulls the fire alarm. And it was sort of one in the pause of one of my sermons. And uh, 
He panicked and we all had to exit the church. I don't know if we even came back in. It was so loud. I think we did come back in, but it, it was it was pretty wild. And yeah, I remember you telling that story like you you watched it all happen in slow motion. Yes. It's just like it's too far away. To do <laughs> and it was done. My son actually doesn't remember that, but he, oh no, he was little. He, he was, was super little. Me two, two and a half. Yeah. How are you under pressure? So that's happening. What's your reaction? Your youth pastor almost kills a kid on a rafting trip. Your son pulls the fire alarm. Like, what are your reactions to these kinds of things? I have I have the gift of exuding calmness, but inside I'm a wreck. So, so on the exterior, it looked just completely fine. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because I I actually would have a similar skill set when things get, the crazier things get, the calmer I appear. It doesn't necessarily mean that's true inside of me. It might actually be, but but that has definitely been a a common thread for the two of us. That that seems to be what, what what we both do. So you've kind of alluded to this, um, but, but let's talk a little bit about insecurities. Let's talk a little bit about, um, like I'm, I, I've been a pastor long enough to know that every pastor experiences this, but what, what have been the themes of insecurity in your ministry life or, or just your life in general? But, and like, is, has there been a theme, has there been themes around that? Like for me, I'll give you an example. I think for me, I I always feel like I'm not the I'm not the smartest person in the room. Right. That's just one of those lies I I hear pretty regularly being spoken to me that I have had to learn to silence. But it but I think early on, especially in ministry, it caused me to lean away from conversations of deep intellect and and some of those kind of things because I didn't want to have a light shown on that part of my my story um I'm learning it's not true but but still even in this podcast already with one of our previous recordings uh I said that to somebody I just yeah this is a thing for me still is so that's a theme for me um definitely when it came to plant the the church here, that was a big part of it was like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I'm pretty sure I told you this, Rob, but at some point I'm like, how am I going from Strathmore, which is, you know, a bit more blue collar to not in a bad way. Cause I'm a kind of a blue collar pastor, honestly. <laughs> um, how am I ending up in this, like 25 minutes, 20 minutes down the road, a little bit different kind of a community. And how am I going to this place? Like, I think I told you this, if you, if you live in the area, you'll know these references. I always made an assumption that if I was ever to plant a church, that I would likely be planting a church in a place like Forest Lawn, which is more culturally diverse. It's more immigrants, things. And yet I find myself in, to be honest with you, one of the richest cities in the province. And all my insecurities came flying out in the first couple of years. I, that's a theme for all pastors, church playing pastors. But for you, what, what's been the theme or has there been one? 
Or is it just me? Please don't tell me it's just me because that, that's going to suck. <laughs> say that. Well, tell me more about this insecurity. <laughs> I don't need to. You already know. <laughs> so I was, uh, let me tell you a story. It will get at sort of a theme in my life. <clears throat> I was five years in, into being a pastor when I hit a wall. The wall was my inability to connect with God. Prayer, prayer evaporated for me. I, and and the, 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 the dissonance, if you understand that, that, that sort of negative feeling between a, the public life of being the person who prays on behalf of the people to God, or being a pastor who preaches the word of God on behalf of God, obviously, you know, the Holy Spirit is the primary mover, but at about five years in, I realized I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't pray very well, and I, I didn't know what to do with that, and I increasingly got insecure, or um, I, I wondered if I was failing, so the, the sense of being a failure has kind of been my Achilles heel, or, or I, would, I would name it as self-doubt, I doubted myself. I doubted whether I could do this work. So I'm, I'm struggling with my faith and my faith is sort of unraveling, but I'm publicly, I have to have a, a faith that is all together. So the gap between that was, was very difficult to, I, I try to do it on my own for, you know, the first two or three years of being a, a pastor. But when I hit this wall, I realized, oh, I have to get some help. And again, it was by, by the grace of God, I was given a little book by Eugene Peterson. And in the back third of that book was a description of spiritual direction as, as a way that God uses to help people learn how to pray. So that was my introduction to spiritual direction. Uh, five years into to my, my being a pastor in Saskatoon, I cold turkey went to um, Queen's House Retreat Center, which is in Saskatoon. It's a Catholic retreat center. And I asked, I, I literally, I walked in on a cold wind. I, I can, I still remember this day. I walked in and I asked the receptionist, is there somebody here who could teach me how to pray? And without missing a beat, she said, oh, yeah, there's a few people here. We call them spiritual directors. And so I'm, I had my first spiritual director, his name was Joe Blatz, fantastic director. And for every, other, every three weeks, I would go to Queen's house and I would do direction. And, and nobody really knew about this because I didn't have the guts to tell anybody I didn't know how to pray. Again, the sense of self-doubt, of, of being, not being all that, that I wanted to be publicly. Um, you know, God, God's gracious to most of us pastors, women and men, that we offer our best and God uses that. But my particular little challenge was, I doubted my, I doubted my abilities. And um, that led to all kinds of things. Uh, obviously one of them was forgetting how to pray honestly to God about my self-doubt. <laughs> and, but spiritual direction kind of put me on a good path. But, the, but this theme of, of doubting myself would be a theme that's, that has followed me like a cloud 
a dark cloud for, for a long, long time. It, it's no longer with me. You know, I'd say in the last three, four years. Um, but it, every once in a while, I'll have a gray day. And I'll, I'll wonder about, am I enough? Am I good enough? Am I good at what I do? I'll doubt, I'll doubt my contribution in the world and in God's kingdom. So that's, that's sort of my story. Hmm. I mean, it showed up all the way along the way. I mean, planting a church, my goodness, the first year and a half, I totally doubted myself. It's like, there is no way. I, and I, I remember walking Strathmore at night by myself saying, Lord, I cannot do this. How do I get out? <laughs> you know, how do I, how do I get out of this? Cause I, I just, I can't do this, but I think that's actually where I have found the most grace in my life too, at the place of greatest need. I just had to have some coaching from spiritual directors to say, that's where God is, Rob. Don't run from that. Yeah. You'll, you'll yeah, find, yeah. you'll find Christ in your weakness. So yeah. Those are several chapters of a really good book. I'd love to read someday. Someday, maybe. <laughs> hey, um, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I, I have heard parts of that story, but not all of that story. And what, what's, interesting to me is at that time when you're wandering around on the streets at night in Strathmore wondering if you can do this I could not have imagined working for and with a better lead pastor like to me that I don't I didn't hear any of that in the way that you led and taught me and and all of those things and I often, I often tell people that um, I was tricked in, into spiritual direction. And Tara's smiling because she's heard this before, that, that um, I didn't know anything about what it was or what it was about. And you were flying out to Vancouver to take classes in it. And I'm pretty sure you were practicing on me, and I had no idea. 